What's up, everybody? Chris Dover here. This is the Market Gaggle, and let's get going. All right, trying something a little different today. Actually, not too different from the old macro ops stuff. Um, I got an email from Alex, macro ops, alex at macro-ops.com. Uh, and pretty much, you know, whenever he writes, I, I love reading his stuff. He's, he's, really, uh, really great at writing, uh, about markets, but also, um, of the few people out there in the game actually is legit. Um, not just a good writer, but actually makes good decisions and good calls. Um, so I want, I wanted to go through the email he wrote today and, you know, I also, first of all, if you are not subscribed to this podcast, subscribe it. Give us a five-star review or you know, like us. Give us five stars. Like us in the uh, if you listen on um, on Apple. Uh, go to pollinatetrading.com. Sign up for the email. It's free. Uh, emails are a little different than the email I'm talking about with uh, Alex's, but you can get his at macro-ops.com. It's also free. Um, if you wanted a bunch of uh, knowledge on macro, you could have Alex's email and you wanted to layer some trading on top of that. Both of our emails together, I think you would be the most intelligent person in the human and spiritual realm ever. That's a promise, people. <laughs> okay, so um, pollinatetrading.com, free email there. Uh, I've been getting a bunch of uh, people asking questions. I asked a few people on Twitter. Most people are hitting me up on email. They just respond to the emails uh, when I send them out and um, give me some advice. But... Uh, or suggestions or ask questions. Mostly it's questions actually. Uh, but I, I was asking, you know, what subjects you guys wanted me to cover, what format you like in the podcast. I think the emails is pretty, pretty defined that people are, they know what they want there and they're, um, doing pretty good with that. The only time I really, um, yeah, the email is pretty much the best place that uh, I interact with people, though I don't get back to people as often as I could. Uh, it's still pretty good. So let's talk about Alex's email. Again, go to macro-ops.com. Uh, it's free. I'm no longer affiliated with them. Uh, we are definitely all friends, and uh, I think the work they do is great. So it's just we've spun off. Um, but let me tell you why I think the work they're doing there is great. So... Alex writes today, this is the first line, the hierarchy of market technicals looks something like this. Number one, price. The tape is the first and final arbiter of truth. Arbiter. And he says it in a much more eloquent way that I say that, that price is truth, right? You can complain about coronavirus, about um, you know, 40 million people unemployed in the United States. You can complain about or point to all these other things that are happening, but that doesn't matter. That, that still doesn't change from the fact that NASDAQ is trading at 10,000. That's truth, okay? So what we're often trying to do as, as market participants is figure out where it's going from there. Now, the exciting thing to do the alluring, the thing that draws most people into the markets and probably hurts the most amount of people is trying to guess the turning points. And what Alex lays out here is a fairly 
um, coherent strategy to address, to, to take systematic training and apply it to a macro framework. And this probably lays out a lot of the way Alex looks at uh, his own strategies. I'm sure it does. Can't speak for him personally. Um, but I did tell him I was going to be covering on the podcast today. Um, the next thing that is the next most important thing, remember, price is the only most important thing. Now, from here, it just becomes a little bit more guessing. But trend, and I would agree, trend is definitely um, price and trend together will get you about 99% of the way. And maybe 90 but it'll get you a heck of a lot further than anything else that we're going to talk about after this. And I point that out is because people are going to focus on three, four, and five. A lot of traders or a lot of investors, a lot of people in the game, they focus more on three, four, and five, and mostly five as the big thing. So it's, it's backwards. Um, he didn't say it. <laughs> he's, he's gentle with his, uh, with his, tools. Uh, I'm a, I'm a blunt force instrument saying, um, so trend Newton's first law reigns, a trend in motion tends to stay in motion and a tape at rest tends to stay at rest. So we've seen that since the March lows in the U S equity markets, right? They've pretty much just gone straight up in a nice upward trend, or we can scroll back and we can look at a chart from 1871 all the way back to 1871 on the S and P 500. What has it done? It's trended. It's trended up. And the funny thing is, is most people are trying to catch the end of that trend. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so the next few things added on top of price trend is going to be the thing that, that might give you a hand in knowing when you're going to get some turns and maybe stepping them back a little bit might be the, might be the thing, or maybe rotating into something might be the thing to do. But if you had price and trend and nothing else, you'd do really, really well. If you gave a little bit of focus to the rest of this stuff that might help you in adding to your position or loosening your position, maybe when to buy a house and when not to buy a house, maybe when to take out loans, when not to take out loans. So the next one is breath, breath with a D, not, not what you smell. <laughs> which is a measure of strength and durability of the price and trend. So pretty much if price is going up on strong volume, that's, that's what we're talking about there. Okay. If it's going up on light volume, that's another thing. The next thing we have number four is hard positioning and sentiment. And this is quantitative measures of actual positions in the market. Okay. This is what exactly the put call ratio is the commitment of traders. Okay. This is hard data on what people have actually put their money into. Um, now, now you see how far down on the list this is. So when you start making decisions on put call ratios, commitment of traders, you're, you're not using your advantages. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to guess it. And the final one, <laughs> and this is survey sentiment data, uh, survey sentiment data, such as AAII and investors intelligence, you know, bullish, bearish, 
uh, and all that. So if we look at the most recent example we had in the markets, we had the price just kept every short kept getting stopped out. We kept going higher. Uh, Newton's trend, Newton's first law, it just kept going. The trend just kept going. So we'd expect the trend to keep going. Um, breadth, this is where it starts to get interesting. So you notice the first two were really important. Breadth, volume wasn't huge. And until recently, hedge fund manager participation was very low in this rally. They were very focused on breadth. They were very focused on sentiment and they were very focused on soft, uh, that. And, and honestly, they were very focused on the news thinking that this was going to be a bounce in a, uh, a, a bull leg in a bear market. Just get back from a run chugging that water. Okay. Um, So hit probably my favorite thing from this entire piece, besides the tape is the first and final arbiter of truth, because that's just eloquent. Um, if you don't know how to read the first one, price, then the other four can be dangerous facilitators of confirmation bias. Again, truth, price is truth. If you start focusing on the other two, three, four, and five in there, trend, breadth, positioning sentiment and uh, hard sentiment and soft sentiment, um, you start getting this false sense of security that you're catching the top. Oh, we've got no money in the market. There's nobody's positioned. Everybody's over positioned, blah, 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 blah. And price just keeps going higher. And so we look at, and it's funny because we all know where price is at. So the only thing that we can do is think, okay, well, the soft data is the only thing that's going to, that the bottom thing on the list is the only thing that's actually going to give us insight into when this thing might change. But um, macro charts put together a chart shows net exposure of uh, two equities of fund managers surveyed by B of A's latest fund manager survey. Uh, they've reversed from a decade low exposure like a month ago uh, near decade lows in the span of a month. Nothing like a change of price to drive a change of sentiment. So basically fund managers had been waiting for the, this, this leg to fail and go down and they waited and they waited and they waited and their customers started to get pissed if they're not exposed to the market. So they're taking phone calls all day long, uh, about why are we not in the market? Why are we not in the market? Why are we not in the market? So eventually they just market bought. Right. And then we had what happened last week. Maybe they market bought that. <laughs> um, the next he points out is uh, put call ratios are showing extreme complacency. Uh, what does that mean? When the measure, is, so when the measure is this extreme, these are his words, it means that the trend in the price is becoming more fragile, unstable and prone to larger, more violent washouts. What does that sound like? What does that sound like? Does that sound like bull volatile regime to you? Does that sound like a market top? Does that sound like when you hit those highly contested areas where put call ratios uh, are just so out of whack that you get big slap happy trade patterns? That sounds like a bull, uh, bull volatile to me, doesn't it? 
commitment to trader data is also uh, still pretty bearish. And yeah, it's just... Um, <laughs> He summarizes here, uh, notice that it's still quite strong. We're talking about breadth. Uh, the measure of longer-term breadth is promising for those in the bull camp. Um, this, this is bull quiet. That's basically summarizing bull quiet. So if what we're talking about in the put-call ratio was bull volatile, we're currently in bull quiet. We haven't even actually printed bull quiet on the SQN daily, but the market is painting a, or is um, trading as if it is bull quiet. And this market is likely to become more overbought and overloved before a larger correction comes to walk out the week's hand, the weak hands. Um, so that's what he's saying here is we got a long way. We're still, we're still very happy uh, to the upside. Um, and so one thing that I've done, I mentioned this yesterday, uh, I got long NASDAQ futures in uh, April 5th and I've written about it extensively. I've, I've, you know, shared tweets about it, everything. Uh, yesterday, I rolled that position to September. So futures expire on quarterlies. I bought um, I bought June expirations in April. I obviously didn't even think that it was going to go to expiration <laughs> when I bought the April uh, or when I bought the uh, Junes at the beginning of April. Like I didn't really think that that was a that was a thing. Um, I was like, it's a trade. I'm just going to take the trade. And the trade started to fold into morph into something bigger. And so because of that, I, I kept adding to my position and it kept going higher and higher. And I added and I added and I added, uh, twice. No, once last week, I think I added, was it once this week? I don't even know what day it is. I think it's Thursday. Yeah. So I must've added one this week. Um, it was a total of 10 ads to that whole trade that I started out just kind of like, oh yeah, that's just a random trade. And I guess I should have started buying uh, September's earlier, <laughs> but whatever, I did the roll. Um, Long-term market trend remains up, though it needs to close above 3,300 level on the S&P uh, to clear its current uh, consolidation zone and confirm the start of a new bull trend. Um, cool, Alex, I, I, don't, uh, I don't have numbers like that personally, to, but that, that's Alex's um, call. Uh, it's not, not smart to, to go against Alex. I will say that. Um, all right. If the market were to quickly run up to that level, that's the 3,300 level. There's a gap up there too, I think. And that's one thing he's referring to. Uh, if you clear that 3,300, then it could, you know, substantially move higher. Uh, if the market were to quickly run up to that level, it would suck in the last of the bears from the sidelines and kick them in the shins. Basically the shorts, uh, he's talking about shorts getting ran, shorts that got the top and have been sitting on it or have been shorting and are just waiting in pain to get out. That would probably blow everybody else. Finally, it's tough to read, especially when we consider the tape bomb risks, both negative and positive inherent COVID and fiscal monetary policy at the moment, i.e. when will the next CARES Act be passed and will it be enough fiscal support? Maybe. I don't even know. How bad will COVID get as the economy reopen? How effective? Yeah, these are all tape risk. Um, personally, uh, we're in bull quiet, so any bearish news is going to be absorbed uh, and flipped to bullish or it's going to be eliminated and dis and like removed from the psyche. Um, and he, like me is saying, you should not be, uh, you should not be focused on high conviction, top calling 
or any bold convictions whatsoever. This tramp, this market will trample any who do. Uh, the example of that being, yeah, I, I was long. Uh, I got the, it's so perfect. I got long that NASDAQ position, one contract, April 5th, thinking it was going to be a trade. And it kept, and had I thought it would do what it's doing, I probably would have bought September, uh, the September contract or even December contract. But I didn't know, and I just kept adding. And to be fair, I added uh, last week and this week when I knew that we were flipping to, uh, uh, to September. And I kept adding September or uh, June because I thought we were at the end of it. And then we had that sell-off, and it didn't fail, and we started to eat it. Um, so I, I kind of was of the mind. I, I remember Friday talking to some of the people in the Slack saying, you know, I'm I'm very seriously watching and considering making a consideration of whether I take profits, take some off the table or anything here. Uh, and I ended up staying. And then I, well, I can't remember. It was one of the one day this week where I added to the position again. Um, so he closes with when it comes to trading macro, you cannot rely solely on fundamentals. You have to be a tape reader, which is something of a lost art form. And that was written by Paul Tudor Jones. All right, so that's pretty much, uh, I, I thought his email was very, very good. Alex is one of the, I mean, you follow that guy, he's going to help you a lot. He's way better writer than me. Um, <laughs> and I've learned a lot from his writing for sure. Uh, but yeah, his, uh, his, he's, pretty, he's pretty dead on when he calls uh, positions in market. He'll lighten position and, and increase positions at the turn points really, really well, so... Uh, I like to keep his uh, thoughts, uh, and I like to chat with him about markets whenever we can get a chance to. And yeah, his email was great today. So that's what we got. I got a couple of requests for more trading stories. Uh, I guess I guess uh, stories were the yesterday's story was useful. So glad to do it. Uh, my transition to becoming a systematic quantitative trader, how I got into crypto. Sure. Um, and then finally, the next one uh, was, and this was on Twitter. The next one was, um, uh, so I did, I did some blog posts. If you haven't read them, go to pollinatetrading.com slash blogs. And I was writing about some of the best traders I knew. And it was basically just some tweet storms I was doing. And I decided to just capture them in a blog. But some of the best traders I know uh, and some of their habits because... Specifically, these couple of traders that I wrote about habits don't line up to what a lot of people think are the habits of a of the most successful traders. You know, they definitely were um, not finance financial trained people. Uh, they just figured it out, and they just they. So one thing that's really great about that is they weren't blinded by what they were taught or what's supposed to be the way they figured out solutions, regardless of not knowing things. They just looked at a problem, came up with a solution and did it. And that's, um, that's pretty, uh, that's a pretty common theme amongst the best traders. I know is they're not, they're not handcuffed by tradition and thinking that you need to, um, you need to have pedigree or you need to have, you know, very deep education or, you know, you need to, uh, not be a college dropout or something. 
Um, so, okay. Anyway, that's, uh, that's it for today, folks. Any questions, tweet at me at Chris D macro. Uh, you can catch me again, get my email, paulnatrain.com. The pop-up will come up or scroll to the bottom of the page and hit that. And that's it for today, guys. If you have any questions, hit me up there. I love you all.